Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Hello, Al, are we live? I think we are live. How you All right. Hey, it's great to have you. Thanks so much. Uh, today is April 10th, uh, 20, um, today is April 10th, 2022, and we're recording our second episode of the Mormon News Roundup. Yep, ready to go. Did you have a good week? So far, so good. How about awesome. Uh, very, very well. I uh, went to church this morning. I had a great time. A friend of mine who is a big-time state president, okay. and uh, I'm out here visiting in Utah. He's a big-time state president. He took him took me to church. He's an old friend of mine. And I, I met some of my old peeps that I used to hang out with. I actually, they didn't have a uh, person to play the hymns, played the hymns, had a great time at church, very spiritual experience, good talk, only stayed for an hour. And that's the way church should be, by the way. One hour is absolutely plenty. 45 minutes, even better. So yeah, I had a great time. Um, I just want to remind our listeners of the purpose of this podcast. This is Mormon News Roundup. We're going to call the internet every week to uh, ruminate about this great and spacious beehive that is the uh, world of Mormonism. We're going to find the best news articles. We're going to dissect them using our incredible insights into uh, the LDS church and other Mormon-related entities, and and then bring that to you in an entertaining manner. That's right. Uh, And these uh, topics that we are tackling, especially this week, they're not the easy uh, topics. So, you know, we're not looking for what's going to sit there and promote the church, but also they're things that are really important about the church. So, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't what you're going to hear in Relief Society, but it's also we're not here to pick on the church. We're just here to talk about the things that are really uh, significant and what's really important going on. Absolutely. And you're not going to get these on the church uh, church uh, org either. These are the tough to find news articles that are um, somewhat uh, we like to we like to delve into the controversies. We like to uh, stir things up and see what's going on out there. Just a couple of uh, housekeeping items before we kick off our first article. Um, I, I am looking where we are looking for a sponsorship of this podcast. And one of the reasons for it is we want to reach a wide audience. I actually reached out to the uh, Mormon Stories podcasting family to see if uh, we could join their umbrella. Mm-hmm. Haven't heard anything back yet. And I also reached out to Mormon Discussions podcasting family. Uh, with Bill Real and John DeLim, all of those guys, and see if we can join their family, get a wider audience. We're trying to build our brand up here. Haven't heard anything back yet. I also reached out mm-hmm. to Signature Books, who does a lot of great, great uh, books as far as uh, Mormon uh, history, doctrine, and culture is concerned. And I, I managed to talk to a couple of people there. So we've got a couple of things in the works as far as getting our message out to a wider audience. And I would like to remind everyone also that Mormon News Roundup has an email right now. It's called mormonnewsroundup at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon right now. We're sitting at zero emails and zero Patreon, but that's that's OK. We're, we're it's this is our only our second podcast. So uh, we also are in the midst of building a website. We are going to try to secure mormonnewsroundup.org so that we can post these, have interactions with you. And I also wanted to give credit to our theme song that you listened to at the beginning of this podcast. You've heard of a weird, uh, now my co-host here is uh, Al and I'm D-Vase. And this theme song is uh, also by Al, uh, Weird 
Alma. Now you've got yeah, a weird, weird Al. Alma. He, he, he's a different guy than me, but um, same name. <laughs> yeah, weird. So Weird Al Yankovic does parody songs, and Weird mm-hmm. Alma does Mormon parody songs. Yes, so if does. you haven't checked out his, uh, uh, if you just Google him, uh, he, I think his uh, website is on Bandcamp.com. I believe mm-hmm. is where he lists all of his stuff. Some yeah. really, really funny uh, songs out there. So mm-hmm. um, with that intro, is there anything? Is there anything else that I missed in this intro, Al? No, uh, boy, when you talked about um, those, all three of those families would be good fits for us, I think. So we would, we hope that uh, they'll give us some good consideration and uh, hopefully we get an invite from one of them. Yeah, um, it could take a while. We might have to be recording this for a couple of months. We're going to do a weekly uh, weekly podcast for a couple of months. Maybe after we have a few episodes under our belt, uh, we'll have a little bit more credibility. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no, I think that's uh, all the housekeeping that I had to go over. And uh, unless you got anything else, I think we're ready to jump. Awesome. Well, I'll brought uh, four of the best news articles this week, and I've got five. So why don't you kick it off and let us know what uh, news uh, tickled your fancy in the uh, world of Mormondom this week? Okay, Divas. So um, my first uh, news article this week comes from truthandtransparency.org. This is, the title of the article is LDS Church Has Most Valuable Private Real Estate Portfolio in the U.S., the evidence suggests. So this is based on... Um, a study from 2020, or all the information in this study comes from 2020. This is an article by Ryan McKnight and Ethan Gregory Dodge. Um, so let's see, just to hit the, the main points of this article, we've got, um, they mentioned that the top, the uh, LDS church, as far as uh, private land holdings, they're in the top five uh, land holders acreage wise. But they're actually ranked number one in the market value. Hey, we're so, number one. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so market value, they, they own fifteen point seven billion dollars worth of acre, or worth of uh, real estate. Now, this is just um, minimum uh, market value, minimum holdings of fifteen point seven billion. That that's right. So th- this is the very bare minimum uh, amount. Okay. So this is counting um, agricultural commercial or religious um so as far as acreage wise it's 1.75 million acres of uh united states land is in the hands of the lds church um that's spread between 15,963 parcels about 50 percent of that's agricultural and the other 50 percent would be commercial or religious so this isn't including the uh, single-family residences. Um, on this article, there's a really uh, awesome interactive map that uh, Ethan Gregory Dodge has uh, created. So anybody that wants to go to truthandtransparency.org and look at this, uh, you can also get there from the link in our show notes. Um, it's released on April 5th, 2022, by the way. That's right. This okay. was released on April 5th. Uh, but like I said, the study or all the information in this study comes from uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. So the, the information's a, a couple of years old, but it takes that long to compile it. So that's no surprise there. But this is a very current article from April 5th of this year. Yes. Now, the Truth and Transparency Org, they were originally called Mormon Leaks. 
Uh, yes. If familiar with the concept of WikiLeaks, that's where people leak secret or sensitive documents. Mormon leaks never really caught on. I, I reviewed like ever. I thought it was a really cool idea. I reviewed all mm-hmm. the documents in there. That's where we got the pay stubs, by the way, of the uh, general uh, authorities, including Elder B. Iring's uh, pay stubs mm-hmm. and other uh, people's uh, base. We know what the base salary is of the general authorities. They became yeah. the Truth and Transparency Organization, and this is their final article, right? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you, Al, how do you think the church obtained, how, how did they become the number one real estate uh, holding asset in the United States? How, how, did they, how did they get from Joseph Smith owning absolutely nothing? He had to, he had to live with his uh, father-in-law when he first mm-hmm. married uh, Emma. I mean, he had nothing. That's right. Um, <laughs> he um, very much had a childhood of poverty. Yeah. Uh, so, so if we go all the way back to Joseph Smith Sr., um, Joseph Smith Sr., he inherited a few thousand dollars when, uh, uh, you know, his parents passed away. That few thousand dollars, he sunk into a ginkgo biloba, I believe, or maybe it was, uh, was, it, it was either ginkgo or ginseng. I think it was, it was ginseng. ginseng. It was a ginseng. Yeah. yeah, he invested in ginseng. I knew it was <laughs> one of those Asian plants, but uh, the guy that he invested that money into or that inheritance ran off and he spent several months trying to track the guy down, uh, but he never saw a penny of his money back ever again. And, you know, he couldn't keep up this, the hunt for this guy forever. So eventually he just had to chalk it up to loss and walk away. Uh, as a result, the Smith family was raised in uh, very much poverty circumstances. They had to move around quite a bit, had to, um, you know, uh, <laughs> take on whatever work they could find in order to make ends meet, had to rent a lot of uh, houses, uh, didn't really own anything until uh, Joseph Smith came up with uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And from there uh, is when the Smith family started getting taken care of, really. <laughs> that, is, that is very well put. How did they then go to being the... No- it's one thing to, hey, start a religion, a small religion, you know, uh, end up uh, doing very well for yourself. It's a whole other thing to surpass every other uh, private. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, we're talking in business and other endeavors. How did they become, how did the church become number one? They, uh, well, you know, uh, so from there, they went from, uh, in, and this is Joseph Smith times, they did some land speculation. Um, they started up a, a bank in Kirtland um, or kind of an anti-banking society as it was called. Uh, that uh, took the investments from the membership and the local um investors and turned it over into land speculations um it ended up failing and this was a big problem uh when the church left uh kirtland finally but uh you know anybody can look into that uh, on their own time i'll uh, try to be as brief as i can with this um so it grew uh into uh land holdings i mean when brigham young came west he laid claim to the entire state of utah big chunks of Idaho as well. Uh, they, um, you know, were able to take that and negotiate into better situations along the way. A lot of um, donations to the church in the form of tithes and offerings um, put the church in a better position financially wise to go and um, buy up other properties. Um, and then over the course of time, you see that uh, the church grew and grew um most recently, probably since the year 2000, the church made great strides in the real estate market. They really 
invested heavily in the stock market and real estate. And uh, they came out doing really well. It's because, <laughs> of these, it's because of these things that you see like Times, uh, uh, the Times Magazine. Uh, put a or Time Magazine, <laughs> uh, they did the article of LDS Inc. and the church was kind of upset about that at the time. Well, uh, at the time that article came out, do you know how? Remember what? How much time? Uh, how much time thought that the church was worth? I should have done more research into For, this, but I'm, 40, I'm guessing you know forty billion, forty billion. 40, 40 hey, the billion. church owns on at least at least twenty billion dollars in just real estate alone. Yeah. Much less everything else that they own. And, well, and don't yeah. forget, don't forget out that when people die, a lot of times when Mormons die, they don't give their uh, home. They don't give their savings to their offspring, to their children. That's right. A lot of times they donate it to the church. They donate it straight to the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how, that's how you become a real estate juggernaut. And also shrewd, smart, mm-hmm. cutthroat investing. Also in the, yeah. in the business sector, the church has many for-profit business ventures and they have pretty sharp elbows and they're not afraid to use them that's right and you know when so when people start to talking about negotiating a deal with the church and you know even donating land for church uh, houses or temples a lot of times they'll approach church members and the the members will think that they're dealing with the the kind sweethearted you know uh, leadership of the that's the front face of the church but no, what they're actually dealing with is uh, these very sharp elbowed um, real estate holdings uh, companies. And so uh, they'll get um, negotiated for the cheapest price possible. Absolutely. And, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of these deals, they're entered in um, very uh, open, uh, what, what, let's see, not open mind, but open armed uh, with the membership of the church. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, it's really not what the people think might think that they're getting themselves into. Absolutely. Well, I think it's, and of course they don't release any of this to anyone, right? This was found no. out from a truth and transparency or uh, organization. This was yeah. unlike see president Hinckley, one of the past presidents, when he was interviewed, I believe it was by Larry King, Larry King said, well, why don't you release your finances to the world? And you remember his response. He said, well, I think that, I think that information belongs to the members of the church. Yeah. Did, do you, is this information available for the members of the church? Not that I've ever seen. I, <laughs> Not I, that I, I know that the membership like to think that it's uh, very open and transparent. Uh, every April conference, they go through and they do the whole accounting and whatnot, and they'll do a reporting of what the audit is. But this is the kind of information that's not disclosed in that audit. Absolutely. Now, technically, uh, Gordon B. Hinckley was correct because it is available to the members of the church. And when I mean available to the members, it's available to about five or ten people at the top. Those are members of the church. He didn't say all the members. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) He didn't lie. He was available to the members. Just not you and me, Al, right? That's right. (laughs) Anything else on this one? No, I think okay. we pretty well covered. That. All right. I got another link that we got in the show notes here. And this is from the general conference. Uh, now, I found uh, somebody put together a really cool graphic on, on Reddit. Um, this was uh, released on. Uh, so help me out here on this first. Uh, sorry, I'm pulling this up here. Yep, let's go ahead. Um, was uh, was released seven days ago today. Um, so that would be released on the 3rd of April. And it's a data dashboard updated with a graphic of the announcement of on the last general conference, 192nd uh, general LDS uh, conference. We got 17 new temples announced. So that's 100 temples 
in total announced by President Nelson alone. Mm-hmm. And that almost equals every one of his predecessors combined. Yeah. I mean, it's a truly tremendous effort here. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm out here visiting in Utah and I can see that the Taylorsville Temple, which um, I'm not that far from, is currently under construction. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just unprecedented because we're going to go over some of the growth numbers here in a little bit. But you, one would think that with that many temples, you would be seeing a commensurate growth level because it mm-hmm. seemed like in times past that the temples were supposedly um, announced in places where the church had had converts or, or new places where they had uh, been led in by the government to have missionaries. And now those members needed access to the temple. That doesn't seem to be the case. These temples don't seem to necessarily be correlated to church growth. So no. let me ask you, Al, what then is the purpose of these temples? And some of them are, are very close to other temples. Uh, mm-hmm. The Taylorsville Temple here is within 10 miles of about six other temples. So what do you think the purpose is of these 17 new temples? We've got a very interesting situation coming on. And I'll tell you what my personal uh, thoughts are on this. And, you know, this is why people are tuning in to hear this, is this is just our own personal commentary. So my personal thought is um, as a TBM in uh, late 1990s uh, Utah County, um, you, it was a, a really cool place where you could stand up on the mountain and you could see from, in fact, if you went to point of the mountain and hiked all the way to the top, you could look south, see the Provo Temple. Mm-hmm. You could look not nearly as far south and see the uh, Mount Timpanogos Temple. And then you could turn around and you could see the Jordan River Temple. And then further up, you could see the Salt Lake Temple. Right. So, I mean, there. Were, I think that the church, uh, especially here in Utah, really likes being able to stand in one place and see multiple temples. Mm-hmm. So that that's my per, my personal thought behind it. I also, uh, it gives the illusion of growth okay. without actually having growth. I mean, the church has obviously reported its lowest growth rate uh, ever. Right. This last year. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. So, so, so is it also is it did they want to make these temples you know it's kind of like <laughs> kind of like think of like casinos you can't draw you can't be anywhere in the united states without being i think two hours away from a casino i read that yeah. somewhere i don't know if that's true <laughs> uh I, I think it is true um it could be yeah because they want to make sure that everyone at any time can be within two hours do you think that is what the church is trying to do to make it so that people can be within an hour within two hours of a temple do you think that's the reason behind it or Mm-hmm. It, it it sure seems that way and the reason why is because i you know um let's take um the northern utah southern idaho border okay yeah so we had um the logan temple up there for a long time yeah and then they built the brigham city temple just oh. uh through the uh through sardine canyon over on the brigham city side which is like an hour away right not not even it's like okay. half an hour really okay, okay? I mean, it's pretty close well, then you go further north and you have the, the Pocatello Temple that they announced a few years back. And that should be finished pretty soon here, I think. I believe that they just started the open house. Mm-hmm. So then they they announced a, a temple in Smithfield, Utah. Yeah. And that seems a little strange because Smithfield is about 10 minutes away from the Logan Temple. <laughs> Now, I mean, is this Logan Temple being used 24 hours a day, seven days a week? So that, that's oh. what I've heard from my stake. I was actually talking to this with my stake mm-hmm. president friend. He's saying that some of these temples are overtaxed 
and that the, the, the you have to wait days to be able to get into them. But have you um, heard? Have you heard that? Maybe if you're looking for a foreign language uh, session, but I doubt it. I, I really find that hard to believe. I think there may be some one-offs, some occasional temples out there mm-hmm. that could be full. But when I used to do yeah. temple work, you could show up at virtually any temple, anywhere, mm-hmm. anytime, and get yeah. in with virtually no issues ever. Yeah, without even a wait, really. Right. So yeah. I, I don't I don't buy that. And don't forget that the Shanghai Temple that uh, the, the, the church is going to be built. <laughs> we don't even have the green light whatsoever. Yeah. The Chinese government is giving that a big two thumbs down. We have a uh, we have a, a temple that's going up, supposedly going up in Russia. We don't even know mm-hmm. where it's going to be. And yeah. the most egregious example for me is the Austria temple. So mm-hmm. according to the church records, there's 4,500 members in Austria, but yeah. activity rates in Europe are let's be generous and call it 20 percent that's going to be a very generous number 20 percent activity but only 10 per only about three quarters of those have temple recommends so we're mm-hmm. talking about 15 percent of 4500 mm-hmm. people this is a temple population of approximately 600 people we're building and i don't i don't know what the mm-hmm. number is but let's call it 10 million dollars for a temple yeah i think mm-hmm. that that's a reasonable estimate yeah, that seems pretty conservative, I, I would I mean, think. I'm being very conservative in all this. We're building a $10 million temple for, uh, how many people did I say? For, for 600. 600 people. And again, there's there's temples within driving distance of Austria. So yeah. uh, there's got to be something else behind this um, uh, that that, uh, that 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 is driving the church to be able to, is this, is this just a legacy issue for President Nelson because he wants to be the one who's associated with all of these? Um, you know, a ton to uh, pull my tongue out of my cheek or my cheek i'd have to say yes okay. <laughs> well we're all speculating but hey this the podcast's name is the ruminations on the great and spacious beehive so that's what you that's think. right okay <laughs> that's good on that why don't you head over to your next article all right this next article um not too far away from austria we're going to independent.co.uk so this is a uh, a british publication and this one is kind of an op-ed I've got a couple of op-eds in this one, and I, the reason I've done the op-eds is because I feel it's important to get uh, people's opinions that they have put out there and published for the for the whole world uh, regarding their opinions on the topics regarding pertaining to Mormonism. And this was released on April 1st, right? Yes, this one's released on April 1st by Rachel, uh, I'm going to slaughter her last name, it's uh, Ruikert, I believe. Okay. Ruikert, wow. Um, type, the title of it is, I'm a feminist Mormon. Almost everything you've heard about my culture is wrong. So the, the approach that she takes in this article that she's written is that you have the LDS church and the way that it is with its uh, own um, devised public persona that it portrays in general conference, right? But then alongside that, you also have an LDS culture. And I, I would have to uh, correct her and call it an LDS counterculture with what she's talking about, because what she's talking about in regards to her culture is very much the fringe culture uh, that's not the mainstream. Um, she talks about going to the Book of Mormon musicals. She laughed, you know, thought it was kind of funny, but she also felt uncomfortable uh, by the things. And the reason why she felt uncomfortable is because she didn't feel like her uh, own personal flavor of mormonism or her own interpretation of it was being reflected that the distinct culture that goes alongside the religion is very different and i think well you can say that but 
you know, at what point do you stop actually being LDS? You know, when, when you go and put your own culture out there that's like, oh, well, LDS people can be feminist, they can be anti-patriarch, they can be um, very, like, nuanced or new age, uh, they can be pro-LGBTQ, they can be, uh, they can be LGBTQ themselves and still be LDS. And, you know, that, uh, to an extent, is acceptable within Mormonism. But uh, you can't actually be a practicing LD or LGBTQ person and a practicing LG or a practicing LDS person. Oh, that's right. Now, I, I get a kick out of the title of this uh, news article because yeah. uh, remember, uh, President mm-hmm. uh, or Boyd K. Packer gave the famous speech on the three great dangers of the church. The three yeah. great dangers of the church are number one, number mm-hmm. one. Feminism, number two, yeah. the so-called intellectuals. That's what he's, that's his word, so-called intellectuals. And mm-hmm. number three was LGBT, what was the, yeah. was what he called homosexuals. Yeah. So she's saying, I'm a feminist Mormon, but you're one of the greatest dangers to the church right there off of the bat. Yeah, exactly. Now, wait a minute, Al, let me ask you, do you consider yourself a feminist? Um, I do, actually. Okay, so that's strike, that is strike one. Number two, do you consider yourself a so-called intellectual? Um, I, I, I don't know that I would label myself intellectual, but I think I could be labeled intellectual. Okay, so that's, I'll accept it. That's a, that's, that's strike two. And strike three, uh, homosexual? No, okay, I'm, well, I'm very, I'm very much his hat. You know? Okay, so, <laughs> so two out of three ain't bad. But yeah. the idea, what, let me, let me expand on what you said. The idea that you can be um, a Jack Mormon or a progressive Mormon. Remember what Harold B. Lee, uh, president of the church back in, I want to say about 19... 72 mm-hmm. or so he said that uh yeah there do you know what he defined a liberal mormon okay yeah. that's when that term started to come into vogue because mm-hmm. of the women's movement of the 60s yeah. and he was in that so a liberal mormon for him which i would say a feminist would be a liberal mormon that's my mm-hmm. that's my take on it he said that that's somebody without a testimony he made a very simple definition mm-hmm. if you're yeah. a liberal mormon then you don't have a testimony but and that goes very contrary to what she's saying, because she says explicitly in her uh, opinion piece here that she knows uh, people who are Mormon, who are uh, liberal, who are libertarian, who are socialist, who are communist. And I, uh, you know, that's a, a nice thought, I'm sure. Uh, it's a, definitely an opinion that will try to uh, portray the church in a more accommodating and accepting light than the church itself wants to portray itself in. I just don't think it's true. Um, it it seems like a pipe dream. Um, yeah. It seems like that would be nice if the church gave a space for someone like that. Yeah. But it, it's a very, very difficult space to navigate. And um, uh, I, I get my I tip my hat off to her um, for trying to go to a space that um, mm-hmm. is not very welcoming. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think that um, when it comes down to it, she's going to have a hard time getting the church to be as accepting. I, I, I think she might be trying to bridge a gap that I don't think the avenue that she's trying to go is going to be the way that that, get, that gap gets bridged. You, I think that you can have summarized it better uh, myself. Okay, very nice. Uh, let's go on to the, my next article, which is from the Daily yep. Herald on April 3rd, 2022 by Mark Shenfield. And this was the, some, some news did come out of conference. Um, yeah. It's hard to get some news. So we covered the temple news. That's true. But then we also have uh, Elder Oaks, who is in the first presidency. And of mm-hmm. course, he is the prophet uh, 
uh, what, what do they call it? Prophet pro tem or anyway, he's the prophet yeah. in waiting. Yeah. Um, he's next in line. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. And he, it says that Oaks clarifies, quote, clarifies LDS doctrine on LGBTQ related issues. And this clarification um, was basically just a restatement of uh, well, how it's been for the last few years. There's nothing new about this. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, what, what I find interesting about this article, and the reason I wanted to include it, is it seems like Elder Oaks, who's a, remember, he's a former lawyer, former Utah Supreme Court justice before he That's was right. called into the church, a uh, full-time church assignment. He seems to relish this particular issue. Mm-hmm. He seems to make it his, uh, you know, I think that some other apostles, uh, senior leaders of the church, they will almost never make any statements about LGBTQ. And I think mm-hmm. if they don't make a statement, it speaks volumes. Yeah. If they don't speak, uh, if they don't make any statements, you can better bet your bottom dollar that they mm-hmm. are LGBTQ friendly. And the number one apostle that I'm thinking of is uh, Uchtdorf. Yeah. I can never remember a statement from him whatsoever on LGBTQ at yeah. all, ever. Now, somebody mm-hmm. can correct me if I'm wrong, but I couldn't find anything. But Oak seems to take very, he, he seems to be the fall guy. He's positioned himself to be like the fall guy on this issue. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that this issue is very, very unpopular. And but- I am willing to go out there and fall on my sword to mm-hmm. maintain the party line. Do you get that vibe? I totally get this is his this is one of his pet peeves. I'll tell you that, you know, uh, he he got called out for um, the uh, the gay conversion therapy when he was the president of BYU. Yeah, he denied it. He denied that it went on while he was there. But right. They they have uh, gone back and proven that, yes, he would. It happened while he was there. at BYU. Absolutely. There's no getting around it because people had dissertations that were mm-hmm. published during his tenure on yeah. electroshop and gay conversion therapy at BYU. That's right. So, I mean, regardless of whether he wants everybody to know that he was there, that happened under his watch, I, I, I feel like he might be saying, well, it didn't happen under my watch, but I sure wish it would have. You know, <laughs> that, that's what it seems like <laughs> he's saying to me. <laughs> that is tough. That is rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I i can't go that far but i, I hear what I, I hear what you're saying yeah um I, i'm hoping that he doesn't want but, to go that far no but but what i'm saying is that for as much as he, as much as he keeps making an issue out of it as much as he keeps you know playing that same uh key it just it seems like he really has an issue with lgbtq people um, and since he's next in line and we know Elder Nelson is not going to, uh, is not going to, he's the oldest prophet, mm-hmm. I believe in history. I mean, he's 97. I don't think anybody else has, has made it that far. I think um, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he's not going to be around forever and uh, Elder Oaks is definitely going to be next in line. So if you're looking for reformation on mm-hmm. LGBTQ issues, yeah. um, I think you're going to have to be waiting for another 15, 20 years, which is kind of a, a sad situation to be in. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Okay, thanks a lot. Um, what's your? Uh, you got to let's go to your yeah, third article. I, I'm going to head over to uh, the church's uh, news outlet, the KSL.com. Okay. Um, and this one isn't necessarily tied to the church as much as it's tied to the church's locale. Um, and it's uh, the title of it is "Human Trafficking Isn't Just a Problem Elsewhere; It's Happening in Urban Rural Utah." The report says, and this is uh, coming from 
Oh, let's see. Her name is Marjorie. Yeah, Marjorie Cortez. Published on April seventh, twenty twenty-two. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So this is a fairly recent one, um, but uh, it talks about human trafficking that a lot of people, uh, especially um, people that live in Utah. I've uh, talked to several of them and they have this uh, attitude that, well, this sort of thing happens elsewhere, but it doesn't happen in my backyard. You know, there may be uh, crime that happens in other places in the country, but it just doesn't happen here. I think that, that they have an attitude or the mindset that they have a, a lower crime rate around this area. And I don't <clears throat> think that's true. I think that what this article points out is that, no, it actually is not a lower crime rate around here. It happens very much around here as well. Um, said that in February uh, 2021, uh, six people were arrested for human trafficking in Utah County massage parlors. So Utah County is very much the uh, highest per capita uh, Mormon uh, community in the world. By percentage. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's far more per capita people that are LDS in Utah County than anywhere else that you'll find. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, six people in this place just in a sting operation in February 2021 last year. um, You know, six people were arrested in parlors that were engaging in human trafficking in these massage parlors. Mm -hmm. Um, I I need to take a step back and also mention that this is a, a report that was done by the Utah Women and Leadership Project at Utah State University. So, well, does the church, let me ask you this, does the church have any shelters for battered women? Does it have any places for people? Does it have a hotline for people who are being trafficked in Utah? Does it have anything that could help mitigate something like this? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. That they, they have LDS family services. As far as I know, those that uh, outreach is more for help facilitating adoptions. Right. And the church could. I mean, the, the, you want to talk mm-hmm. that they have Welfare Square that is mm-hmm. the purpose, which purposes to feed the, uh, supposedly yeah. to feed the, the hungry. But they don't mm-hmm. have they don't have anything along these these social. Uh, remember, the, the church used to have a threefold mission of the church, and yeah. and, it, and they expanded it to the fourth, which was to take care of. I think it was I can't for, forget the exact verbiage, but it's basically mm-hmm. to take care of the hungry and the less fortunate. That's basically the fourth mission of the church. Okay, but it's examples like this where the church doesn't have, to my knowledge, anything really set up to help out with any domestic violence, any rape, um, mm-hmm. any rape, any, any. So, I mean, if a woman comes into a bishop and says, you know, my husband's been beating me. Yes, he can call the police, but the church doesn't have a place for that woman to stay. I mean, she could stay at the bishop's house, but mm-hmm. there's no places for people who are being trafficked to have a hotline to the church and say, I'm a Mormon. I'm being trafficked. Please help me. There's nothing really official that's out there for that. You, you know, Dives, this is a real tragic uh, um, topic as well, because there really isn't any good um, system set up at all, uh, not just by the church, but by anywhere. Um, they've got like Operation Underground Railroad, a, uh, they're, they're a, a group that has decided to go in and um, help get people who are victims of human trafficking liberated. But even them that all the all they can do is just dump people on the street and a lot of times what happens is they just go right back to exactly where they've been because it's familiar it's known it's comfortable um especially when with regards to human sex trafficking um 
they the statistics in this article it's not known for sure because you know who knows exactly what's going on but from what they've seen in the people that have been rescued from tra- uh, human trafficking 98 percent of sex trafficking victims are female 60 yeah. percent of labor trafficking victims are male um and a lot of times these victims they come from uh foster homes um runaways uh drug addicts um marginalized people that have been kicked out of the house uh the homeless population um you know they go wherever they can to find the vulnerable and uh so a lot of times you'll get people that are looking for some acceptance from somewhere and they get preyed upon by human traffickers, but they're really even, like I said, after uh, the FBI goes in or uh, operation underground railroad goes in and uh, gets these people out of the human trafficking situation, they don't have any place to catch them. They don't have anywhere to help them get rehabilitated, to teach them, Hey, you know, you don't have to exchange sex for food or for protection or for a home. Yeah. Let, let me just add, well, let me let me conclude this article with the following. Yeah. First of all, I was a runaway as a child. I ended up uh, living in a foster home for a period of time. I had a very turbulent and, and, and kind of a traumatic childhood experience. So being a runaway is very near and dear to my heart. I also spent three years of my life in domestic violence prevention when I lived in the Midwest and I worked for the government and the government set up shelters. The government had agreements with hotels so that when someone came in, we would have a place for them to be for a period of time. So if the government has the ability to do these things, um, and it's not very expensive, it seems mm-hmm. like in the church's kingdom, which is Utah, they could yeah. easily um, put, uh, they could easily do a lot more than what they're doing on this particular topic. Sure, and what a great place for it to start. Absolutely. Okay, let's go on to my next article, which is uh, was published on April 2nd, 2022 by Trent Toon on the Deseret News, and it was Church Names New Relief Society and Primary General Presidencies. And I can't remember a time when the, all of the female leadership of the church um, was changed over at the same time. And I listened to some um, a lot more of this general conference than I had in, in times past, and I heard the, uh, the, the Relief Society president, uh, Camille Johnson's talk, really enjoyed it. Um, she seems like a really, really, um, she seems like a really strong leader. It's hard to gauge things in just the talk. But what, what drives me nuts sometimes with these General Relief Society and primary presidencies is sometimes the way that they address uh, the membership in general conference. It can seem to, sometimes to be almost infantilizing. Infant, what am I saying? Um, infantilizing. <laughs> yeah. And I cannot stand that. And she didn't do any of that. So I, I was very impressed by, um, by her showing. And I also found it very interesting that the primary general presidency, we have our first uh, African-American um, uh, person uh, uh, in the uh, general primary pres- in any presidency of the church ever. That's all excellent the, news. All the way back. Uh, so the second counselor, Tracy Y. Browning, um, is an African-American um, uh, and is the first black uh, black woman to serve in one of the church's general pre- in any of the church's general presidencies. So for me, that is a real step forward. And I also you know, found it very interesting that uh, that uh, President Browning had a full and active civilian career um, before uh, joining church full employment several years ago. Um, she worked outside of the home. And if you go back and listen to some of those older talks by President Hinckley, President Benson and, and, uh, and Eldon Tanner, um, yeah. uh, 
they would be rolling in the graves if they saw that that somebody who is a full-time person who has children and uh, Mm -hmm. I can only presume her husband had a job. It's none of my business, but I can only presume that she has now ascended to such a high level. I think it's a, an incredible step forward. It is. Um, Boy, talking about, uh, you know, making such progress against the grain. Uh, Wow. Now, the only thing that we need now is we've made a very small step. How about the next uh, 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 gay apostle? That's what I'm looking for. How about the next trans member Mm -hmm. of the 70? Now, (laughs) so we've made very small progress here. Yeah. Ba- baby can, steps, D-Base. Baby, baby steps. steps <laughs> extremely. These steps are very, very small, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, I guess we're gonna. I guess we're gonna get there. Okay, that's all I had yep. to say on that one. Well, it, you know that uh, kind of segues quite nicely into um, my next article, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're gonna head across the valley to the Salt Lake Tribune. So you know we've heard from the churches uh, reporting, and now we're gonna hear from the church, uh, the non-churches reporting in Salt Lake. This is another editorial uh, from Keith Burns wrote in, says... Uh, On April 8th, April 8th, 2022, just... just that's being, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, who has been one of the best advocates for marginalized groups in the LDS church? Satan. What? That is, um, he's making a bold statement there. And so when you talk about going back and looking at the things that all these other apostles and leaders and prophets even have said over the years... Um, he says that it really seems that with the uh, progress of all these marginalized uh, communities, um, you know, speaking of like feminism or uh, the civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s, um, the church really fought or spoke out harshly against a lot of these movements and said that they were of Satan. And uh, he's pointing out that, um, well, a lot of these things that the church said was uh, being put forward by Satan. Um, well, one thing, Satan must be winning because they're actually making the progress that they're trying to make. But uh, furthermore, it really just uh, makes it. Uh, <laughs> where, where, where does the church stand on this? It just seems like uh, you well, know, there's a lot of victory going forward. Well, well, let me just usually what happens. Let me. Let, uh, this is a pattern that I've noticed. Okay, the church has a pronouncement that has happened in some ages past. Yeah. And what they do is they don't end up really repealing it. They just stop talking about it. So, yeah. yes, interracial marriage, according to J. Reuben Clark, was a wicked virus and a satanic perversion. But now yeah. you ne- but you'll never hear in general conference someone espousing and say interracial marriage is two thumbs up. Good to go. They just stop mm-hmm. talking about it and it filters into the background and just yeah. they hope that it slowly disappears. Yeah, exactly. So it's. It's one of these things where they don't, it doesn't go away. It doesn't get repealed. Right. They just stop bringing it up and so they stop referencing it. So, right. Much. It's kind of like the weird laws that are on the books in some states back from like slaveholding times when it was illegal for a person of color to have more than a dollar fifty in their pocket. Yeah. And the state legislature never got, about, got, not a, never got around to repealing it. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody yeah. ever talks about it anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's still on the books. And that's but, the case yeah. for most of this stuff. I mean, on the flip side, I think the state of Missouri just barely repealed the uh, the extermination order that Governor Boggs put in place a couple of years ago. So, I mean, right. yeah, it, it used to be legal to hunt Mormons. So, I mean, but how many people have been hunting Mormons since the 1840s? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Only um, only co-eds at BYU looking for return missionaries. Exactly. They're not even in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the the things that used to be satanically inspired, um, mm -hmm. you know, Satan doesn't really, I guess he just doesn't bother with those issues anymore. They're, they used to be super important to him. Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, you, you know, even even the use of contraception and, yeah. and oral sex. Contraception mm -hmm. used to be Satan's tool. Oral sex. Yeah. Also, the church had official statements that said that is uh, that is a Satan's tool. Yeah. And Satan used to work really hard to prevent some of these things. And I guess he just kind of changed his. He doesn't really work on them anymore. Yeah, it doesn't have to. Because it's just kind of people just sort of become OK with that. <laughs> Yeah. So um, very, very, very good. Very good article. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Okay. But it, it really makes me wonder, Dave, is how, um, how in trouble is the church if um, Satan keeps having this much victory? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I prefer to look at it as a stale. I prefer to look at it as a, as a stalemate. Yeah. Because the church has never, remember, uh, Elder Oak says that, the, that, uh, that he's not aware that the word apology appears in the scriptures and that the, the church neither seeks nor offers apologies. Mm -hmm. So the church has not apologized for any of these uh, past uh, doctrinal state. You know, the church uh, mm -hmm. has never apologized for almost anything in the past. Yeah. Not, not even the Mountain Meadow Massacre managed to get an apology. That seems like an easy yeah. slam dunk, by the way. And that, that one seems like that's where the whole. Well, that was where President Oaks' uh, talk came from. Right, exactly. Yeah, he said, we don't apologize. That is correct. So mm -hmm. there's no reason to apologize for any of these previous statements. We just, mm -hmm. we're a forward-looking organization. Mm -hmm. There's no need to look backwards. Keep your mm -hmm. eye on the current brethren, and the mm -hmm. prophet will never lead the church astray. That is the basic message here. So, yeah. Um, is that it on all of your articles for the week? Yeah, that, that does it for me. But uh, let's see, do you have another one? I do. Now, the other, the, I've got two last articles here, and then we'll yeah, wrap let's go it with up. Yours. Now, always that comes out of the general conference, the, the, the most news that comes out of the general conference is number one, temples, uh, and number two is uh, statistics. Now, there's a little bit difference between the, the numbers that have been released this time. Now, the church is starting mm -hmm. to move away from it used to be a big deal in general conference where they would say, now there are 16,700,074 members of the church spread across 12,700 congregations. Yeah. Guess what? The church is not releasing. They are releasing that onto their website on the same day instead of, yeah. and instead of announcing it in the general conference. Mm -hmm. And let me, let me ask you, uh, we're referencing this article, which is uh, on uh, ldschurchgrowth.blogspot.com, mm -hmm. Tuesday, April 5th. Um, and it's entitled Growth of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Al, yeah. why don't you think that they're um, announcing all of the stats in general conference anymore? Um, you know, <laughs> good question. So when I was uh, attending church as a, as a true believing Mormon, Back in the 2000s, I, I remember when the church uh, hit 15 million, and I remember when the church hit 16 million, and it seemed like they they happened rather rapidly. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it almost looked like a J curve growth. Yeah. So I think that I think of course the church was very proud of that kind of growth, very excited to show it off, but I think that um, it has uh, steered away from being the J curve ex exponential growth that it was. And now I think the church just wants it to be seen as well. We're, we're a global church and uh, they don't want to draw so much attention to 
the stagnant of growth because I mean it is it is kind of a stagnant growth. Now the the church let's let's just be clear is still mm-hmm. growing. In fact, I think the church has only had two years where it did not grow. It was one, like 1858 after we got out here in Utah, and I think there was one other yeah. year. So the church has grown every basically every single year. So we're not talking about shrinkage here. We're no. talking about growth that continues to slow. So. Yeah. Um, you know, it's gone from about 1.6% down to only 0.8%. And what this article um, also brings out is that, listen, where where is the church growing now? Well, if you look, it, it ranks the top 10, uh, ranks the top 14 countries. Mm-hmm. And so listen, let me see if you can see where, where these have something in common. Democratic mm-hmm. Republic of Congo, Tanzania, Liberia, Angola, number five, Benin, number six, Republic of Congo, then Malawi, Sierra Leone. What do these all have in common? Um, they're all African countries. Yeah, the church is going gangbusters in Africa, really, mm-hmm. really growing. In fact, the Democratic Republic of Congo grew a, almost 100,000 members last year. That is wow. tremendous growth for such a small country. Why yes, is it, do you think, Al, that the church is finding such great success in Africa at this particular um, time? Well, the church has been pushing a lot of um, humanitarian aid to Africa okay. for a long time. Yeah. So um, a lot of these uh, uh, countries are poorer countries, they're mm-hmm. war-divided uh, countries, countries where people need help. And I think uh, people are latching on to anybody that can help them hmm. or is going to offer. Um, yeah. And, and Africa is kind of like the new uh, South America was uh, 30 or 40 years ago, you know, where yeah. the church was finding that kind of success. So mm-hmm. the, the, the church... Um, the growth in the United States for the church, I thought, was very interesting from this year. Um, the church, you know, the church is got like 17 million members. So about uh-huh. half of them are in, in the United States. So that's eight and a half in the United States. The church only grew 40,000 people in the United States out of eight million. Mm-hmm. That's that's not one percent. That's a half a percent growth that's, in the United States. That's almost uh, that's almost. Uh, uh, that's a little less than I would say birth rate would be. Right. Exactly. And remember, in the United States, these are where all the rich Mormons are with the giant families. Mm-hmm. So even just just on kids alone, mm-hmm. we should be seeing a lot bigger growth in the United States. That 41,000 number, I'm sure, is a significant disappointment. Yeah. So, um, you know... I listened to a podcast. I'm going to wrap uh, wrap up on this, but I listened to a podcast yeah. that dissected the church's numbers overall. And you can you can figure out based on the church statistics how many people left the church that mm-hmm. year as well, because you yeah. can see how many children of baptisms were recorded, mm-hmm. children of record, and then how many converts. You can add that number to the previous year, mm-hmm. and if that number doesn't add up to the next year, you can figure out how many people left. True. Okay, so it's pretty easy. The only problem with that, according to the church statistics, about 90,000 people left the church last year for one reason or another. They could have died. They could have had Mm -hmm. their membership withdrawn. They could have been, you know, whatever. Okay. Um, The problem is, is that it doesn't really match with the death rate. So in any given year, on average, one in 10,000 Mormons will just die. Yeah. That's your death rate. And -hmm. if you have 16 million people... One in 10,000 is much, much more than the 90,000 people who left the church. So what, what we're, we're shining a light on here is that even we want to accept the church's numbers at face value and say, well, this is the only numbers we have. We assume that they're accurate. But sure. we're seeing a lot during an, a global pandemic where people are dying at much higher rates. Mm-hmm. The church is claiming a very less 
amount of people dying than would be reasonably consistent. So mm-hmm. it seems like they're keeping a lot of people on the rolls that yeah. uh, it's just very curious. Mm-hmm. It's very curious. So that, there's a reason that they're pushing these numbers off of the general conference and into the sidelines is they don't want people really um, there's, there's not pretty soon. There's mm-hmm. been less growth for the church every year for 25 years. Yeah. It is only a matter of time until the church posts negative overall growth. We're at 0.8% mm-hmm. this year, and that was less than the previous year. Pretty okay. soon, you're going to have a shrinkage. There's just there's no getting around it. Global religion in general is on the decline. This, is, this isn't, should be a big surprise. Yeah. You know, so it's just very curious the way that they play with these numbers. <laughs> yeah, and, and how openly they're, they're playing with those numbers. Because, yeah. Yeah, like you said, you just have to have uh, third grade math abilities and you'll be able to figure that out. Yeah, I talked to a return missionary just today, by the way, who just came back from his mission three days ago. And I asked him, you know, said, how many people in your missionary, uh, he was out in California, how many people are leaving the missions early? And he said, a lot of people are leaving early. And what happens is on the transfer days, mm-hmm. um, they're listed as mental health transfers. That yep. means that they're going home. The church, these people are saying that they're having mental health issues when in reality they don't want to be there or they've lost their testimony. Now, one of the, I think that the two biggest indicators for church, for the church, for the healthiness of the church is the following two things. There's two yeah. indicators. Number one is your active proselyting, not service, proselyting mission force. Okay. Okay. And we're only at 51,000. That's the lowest in 20 years since 1995. Yeah, that's, that's way down. That is extremely down. Your number two indicator of a healthiness of the church is, believe it or not, I think tithing is the, is the single biggest factor. Yeah. Not Forget whether someone goes to church. Forget whether they wear garments. Forget whether they have a temple recommend. Forget mm-hmm. everything. All you need to know is, are you a full tithe payer? And if you are, you can better believe that that is a believing member of the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't believe, I promise you that one of the first things that goes is that money. Well, yeah, what do they say about your treasures where your heart is or something like that? So, yeah, Yeah. if if your treasure is going to the church, then your heart's still there. Where uh, where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Mm -hmm. That's one of Jesus's parables, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. Okay, Okay. a last article, last article on this. Um, And this is kind of a this is kind of an interesting one. In our last podcast, um, this is the article, by the way, I keep forgetting to say the name of it. This is on April 3rd, 2022, Tad Welch, Deseret News. Conference ends with a call to remove a personal conflict in your life by Easter. Yeah. And, uh, Al, when's Easter this year? Pop quiz. Easter is next Sunday. You're very good. Excellent. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't let anybody question you. That's correct. Now, in our last podcast, you said, you know, the thing the thing about the church's uh, general conference is you hardly get any news out of it because mm-hmm. they all sound so similar. And you said, you know, why don't they have a theme for the general conference? So, which mm-hmm. I thought was a brilliant idea. Yeah. You could have a general conference theme. You know, the theme that I would like to see in these, any of these general conference would be uh, like uh, gospel topics, essays, themes. Now, that mm-hmm. would be a general sure. conference I would tune into. Yeah. <laughs> How about a Book of Abraham themed general yep. conference? Now, let, I would let, watch every minute of it. it publicly. <laughs> I would watch every minute of that. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that. But there was kind of uh, a little bit of news that came out of there that I'm not familiar with them, them ever having uh, done this before. Mm-hmm. And it was leaders testify of Jesus Christ as the peacemaker and author of a divine plan of happiness. The two day conference 
words includes uh, declarations on marriage, gender, and support of religious liberty. But mm-hmm. President Nelson issued a challenge. And yeah. I thought it was a really, really good idea and a super mm-hmm. duper challenge. And uh, his challenge was that, uh, you know, he challenges everyone to forgive someone. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, sorry about that background there. That's he all right. We've got co hosted just five dumb. <laughs> I'm at my brother's house. He's got two dogs and a cat. So I'm trying to keep <laughs> it real. So he challenged everyone to uh, forgive someone in their lives um, for, by Easter. Mm-hmm. You know, we should learn, he said, quote, we should learn from the past and be prepared for the future. And um, let's lift up the hands that hang down. And could, uh, and continuing his quote, could there be a more fitting act of gratitude to Jesus Christ for his atonement? If forgiveness present, presently seems impossible, plead for power through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ to help you. And as you do so, I promise a personal peace and a burst of spiritual momentum, end quote. I thought that was a great challenge. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, I think that's a pretty uh, safe promise that he made, too. Yeah. Now, it's a lot harder. Um, uh, you know, when it comes to prophets, uh, you know, you kind of wish that the prophets would prophesy, you know, but since this is about the best work, and you also kind of wish that seers would see and that revelators would reveal, that would yeah. be, um, that would be preferable. So mm-hmm. I guess we're we're gonna take what we can get on this one. Um. Yeah. So yeah, go and forgive somebody, and you're gonna feel peace in your heart. Well, that's because forgiveness is the gift that you give yourself. Indeed, yeah. it is. They, they so, say that bearing a grudge is like trying to poison somebody else while drinking the poison yourself. I I, I agree with you 100. Yeah. percent And I've got this narrowed down here. I need some help, Al. Uh, I've got it narrowed down to four people that I that I feel the need that I that I need to forgive. And believe it or not, I think you know who these people are. So we're going to be racking it up on this segment. But here's the four that I have in mind. And I want your your help in helping me forgive them. Okay. My number one is Paul H. Dunn. My number number (laughs) two is George P. Lee. My number three is James Hamula. And my number four is Ted Bundy. These are all Mormons. Oh, geez. You uh, you swing for the fence on this one. Hey, look, I've got a small grudge here against Mm -hmm. all four of these. Now, Paul Don was a member of the 70. He told a lot of tall tales. He claimed to be a war hero and played professional baseball. Oops, didn't end up happening. He got released early. George P. Lee was also uh, a general authority, and he uh, raped a girl, ended up uh, serving prison in in southern Utah in a hurricane uh, in in purgatory. The the, the, the jail there is called purgatory. Mm -hmm. James Hamula is the latest. Uh, general authority who has been um, released from his calling. They did not give us any details whatsoever. All they would say was that he didn't leave for apostasy's sake. And then finally, we have Ted Bundy, who uh, mm-hmm. committed a bunch of murders in uh, Washington, came to Utah to go to the University of Utah Law School, joined mm-hmm. the Mormon Church while he was here. I yeah. guess, he, he, I guess you know, whoever that bishop was, all, all I want to say is, you know, um, oops, Sorry. Yeah. About that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that bishop had an off day. But who of those four do you think, Al? I need I need some help. Who of those four do you think deserves the? I'm going to try oh. to forgive in my heart one of those four. Who, who uh, do you uh, think? Uh, it, uh, uh, boy, I don't know uh, who's going to be the most forgi- or the most deserving of forgiveness. Uh-huh. Um, but I'll tell you the the hardest one to forgive, in my opinion, will be um, Ted Bundy. Okay, and, and the and the reason why it will be the hardest is because he went into an interview with this uh, guy that was clearly trying to lead Ted Bundy into giving him a sound clip that says, "Oh, 
I, the reason why I committed all these murders against these girls was because of pornography. And the church has still uh, used those quotes um, even to this day as saying, oh, well, you know, if you get hooked on porn, you're going to go start murdering people. And, uh, you know, so that that would be the biggest uh the biggest one to overcome in my opinion that would be uh, the toughest yeah second behind that would be george p lee uh then uh i think i think that the if you're just looking for an easy way to get over somebody let's go with um the uh let, let's go with paul dunn okay you know? paul dunn that's it. okay that, i'm gonna work on that for next week i'm gonna give yes. you a, <laughs> give you a he, report he, for next he's, week. he's dead he uh you know he's been uh pushed aside and kicked under the rug so you know <laughs> now, i might say also that paul dunn is the only one out of those that i'm aware that offered any type of an apology so he mustered up a very oh. weak he mustered up a very weak apology which was uh, put out through the deseret news church on publication um so maybe he's the best one uh, honorable mention would be mark hoffman but i i tell you i cannot forgive mark hoffman uh no. i i i i you call me sick and twisted but i kind of like mark hoffman i know that that sounds very horrible i don't uh. like the murders but I like his forgeries. Uh, obviously, uh-huh. he was a d- evil and diabolical person. But uh, yeah, I thought that the I mean, forgeries... how can, can can you really like a super villain? And I, you know, I would have to consider he is one of the most notorious super villains of Mormonism. Right. So, oh, by the way, when it comes to the world's most famous Mormons, let, let me just—I keep saying we're going to wrap this up, but this is a list of <laughs> some pretty uh, interesting. Mor- Who is the most famous Mormon in the world right now? Who right, is it? right yes. now? I would say it's Mitt Romney. That's correct. Oh, obviously, number one, he ran for president. He yeah. got uh, he got 130 million votes. Yeah, he's uh, a sitting he, senator. Uh, no he's doubt. Al- he's also a sitting senator that's gone against his party lines. That is correct. So he's the most famous Mormon. But yeah. the second most famous Mormon, uh, it could be Brigham Young, but it also mm-hmm. could be Ted Bundy. Yeah. Number two in the running has got to be either Brigham Young mm-hmm. or Ted Bundy. And I don't right. have any data on that, but it's got to be one of those two. Well, when you look at how many uh, movies they made about Ted Bundy uh, over the last three or four years, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. It's definitely Ted Bundy. I mean, as far as uh, all-time famous Mormons, yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, Currently I'll... living? Uh, no, he's not currently living, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, they, they, they executed him in Florida a long time ago. Okay, hey, it was great to ruminate on the Great and Spacious Beehive. Uh, yep. As always. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was great. Uh, I'm, I'm joined here by my uh, my co-host, Al. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it just come back again next week for uh, some more great content. Yep, we look forward to it. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself I'm a being with no moral constraints My number one goal is to hurt The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints